Wonderful. So good. While that's happening, I just want to explain, we're just about to watch a video, which we watched Friday night, but um, I wanted to explain a little bit of this video to you. In 2003, we were still meeting in a high school hall. We'd been in a primary school hall. We were meeting in a high school hall. And one, one day during the service, Pastor Phil was so caught up in the spirit that, and we'd been looking at this land here. We were getting ready to purchase it. And he stood over at Wong High School and he pointed over to this land and he began to just prophesy about what he saw. And that's what this video is all about as we celebrate 25 years. So let's watch this. here. I'm looking across the direction of the land. What do I see? I see a lot of earthworks being done. I see the sewer going in. I see power coming in. I see a tent going up. I see activity. I see people praying. I see the tent with chairs in it now, bench seats. I see the green astroturf. I see the stage full of equipment and I see people laughing, just bemused by this spectacle. I see many people just coming in and driving in on the land. I see finances coming in. I see souls getting saved. I see people getting baptized in an in-ground pool beside the caretaker's property. I see a car park on grass at first, then I see more. I see the first stages of the building being built by faith. I see bezel block walls. I see backfill. I see foundations. I see steel. I see trucks coming in. I see favor. I see doors opening. I see checks. I see large amounts of money coming in. I see people coming in, new people, families. I see with eyes that see what God would want me to see. With that eyesight, I am encouraged. I see the calling on my life and the church. I see the calling upon this nation. I see the calling upon this world for the nations to be saved. I see even a nation like Iraq being saved. I see people of God being discouraged. Their hearts have grown sick. I see them alive and I see them with faith. I see them with great hope. I see them with power to believe in every situation that God can intervene, heal, set free, bind up and open, release the oppressed, the prisoners to go free. I see a people that see God in other people. I see a people that see God in a situation, a problem and see God in the worst thing, even in a jail cell. They see God working. I see people, missionaries going out and being able to be encouraged directly by God in a desert of a place. But I see them with a smile. I see them with hope. I see them with faith. I see them with a great countenance of glory. I see a people whose eyes are open to see that which God is already doing. And I see people full of faith, full of hope, full of love. And I see people who are able to appropriate life according to not what they see, but what is not seen. For faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not yet seen. It is the title deed. Sparrow, sorrow, sorrow, silence, silence. 
Shelende Bavaria Tadaria Spere shall have a bidness about that. I am Steve Penny. I want to add my congratulations to Pastors Phil and Julie Oldfield and to C3 Tagara. What an incredible thing to celebrate 25 years since July 7, 1996. You guys are awesome and you have seen incredible things done by the hand of God and through you people walking in faith. So I congratulate you. Here's my verse for the next season for you guys. And it's Genesis 49, 22. And it says, talks about Joseph being planted by a well, uh, a fruitful vine whose branches go out over the tree. But another version of that, or in the original language, it says this, Joseph is the son of a fruitful tree, a fruitful tree planted by a well, and Joseph is one of the branches of that fruitful tree that run out over the wall into new territories. And I just want to prophesy over you guys that there is a great season. Your best days are right ahead of you and you are going to see that which you've planted as a well and a great tree of life, fruitfulness. You're going to see your sons and your daughters, both naturally and spiritually, go out over the wall, spread the influence and uh, have far greater realms of influence and increase than you've ever seen. So get ready for it. Be prepared to rise up into that new season. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Phil and Julie and C3 Tucker and all the leaders, the board, all the members of the church, congratulations on 25 years. The fact that you've built a brilliant church, you've grown a healthy church, secured property, and doing some great things to advance the cause of Christ, build the church of Jesus, and surge forward with the kingdom of God is just incredible. 25 years is a huge milestone. Congratulations. Have a brilliant party all day. God bless you. Hello, everyone. Massive, massive congratulations, Pastors Phil and Julie. We're just so blessed to know you. We are so grateful for our friendship. We are so grateful for the passion that you continue to carry in our region, for the church, for the lost, and your passion for Jesus is an inspiration to us all. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the seed that you've sown and for the legacy that you've both created. We love you and we want to celebrate you today with your family, with your friends, and say congratulations on your 25th. Yes. yes, 25 years, it's a long time. A lot of water under the bridge and you guys have done a mighty job. Phil and Julie, we just congratulate you and your team because um, you know, you're a champion couple with a champion team and it's a, it's, you have a wonderful church up there at Tugra. So congratulations, looking forward to the next 25 years. Bless you. Phil and Julie Oldfield, you guys are amazing. 25 years. 25? That's, that's a marvelous Most people last only five years in yeah, this job, but you've done 25. Has got lots of hiccups. Oh, but you've just challenges. Got to learn to leap. These guys have got 11 acres of land. Yes, and a gorgeous suite of buildings and a wonderful congregation, terrific family. Congratulations. We love you and wish you all the best for the next 25 years. Yeah. We are a
is in case. I've been trying not to cry all day, all weekend. It's been quite amazing. You did give us that those beautiful Bibles for our 25 years. And this was the card that you gave us with those Bibles. Pastor Phil and Julie, celebrating you both for 25 years of vision and dreams. The pioneering road, few travel, countless. You better read it, Andrew, for me. Because I can't. <laughs> Can you read that for me? Oh, my gosh. Thank you. No, don't you lose it. Celebrating you both for 25 years of vision and dreams. The pioneering road, few travel. Countless hours of prayer and conversations wrestling over the souls of men. Integral to the core, you carry the glory cloud everywhere you go. You are senders, believers, soul winners, faith stirrers, and heart menders. That's a sentence. Embracing the spirit of sonship. Your children are as numerous as the stars. Mother and Father, we applaud you and look with you with expectancy in our eyes for where you lead us next. With all our hearts, the sons and daughters of C3 Church Tuggerer. Incredible. If you know my love language, it's words, like words of encouragement. So like words just kill me. Every card you've ever given me over the years, I have it. There are boxes of them, and I will never throw them out. I get them out, and I read them every so often. It's just beautiful. You know, I love that that statement that Steve Penny said, that our sons and daughters will go out over the wall. And what I want to do this morning is share with you some of the stories, because when you talk about 25 years and you look at, you know, you just think of it, oh, it's a building, it's people. And there are people in the building, and, you know, 25 years of... But there's 25 years of stories, like every single person in the last 25 years that's ever come in or out of this place has a story to tell about how God affected their lives through experiencing being transformed by God in the very power of God, in the glory of God, in this space that we carry with us that we know is so God that we get on our knees on the altar and cry to him every opportunity we can to say, God, this is all you. And and when I look back, I'm astounded, we're astounded at the lives that have been changed and touched. you, You couldn't even write it in books. But I'm going to share a few of them with you this morning. I love these scriptures. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And I think that's something we've always got to think about. Our lives, the choices we make, the things that we do are not just temporary. They're not just for now. Now that we are grandparents, Phil and I, to nearly nine grandchildren, now we're looking at, at, at a lens from a different angle and we're realising that the decisions we made, you know, 30 years ago, the decisions we made 30 years ago to stay together and stay married for 38 years and to love each other and to, you know what I mean, and give everything to God, those decisions now have affected our children's children and not just our natural children, but our spiritual children and their spiritual children. It's an incredible thing. It's an amazing thing. 
What better thing could you do with your life than pour it into people? To love people. What better thing could you do? Hate him. You know that, eh? And Psalm 112 too. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. In 1996, we were there. We were just about to start the church. It was a Saturday night. We were starting the church the next morning. There was Phil and I and our little children. They were, we had four children at the time. From Julie was, I think, 10, and Gemma was six months old, and I was still breastfeeding. And here we are on the Saturday night. We're setting up all the chairs in, the, in this little school hall, getting ready for the next day when we're going to open the doors for the first time. It's freezing cold. It was 10 o'clock at night. And we looked out of the doors, and there's this little girl in a singlet and undies with her face against the glass outside, freezing cold. And I said, Phil, look, there's a little girl there. And we, we called her in. We said, come in here. What are you doing? She said, oh, this is what I do when I can't sleep. I just go for walks. She was eight years old. I said, where's your mother? Oh, mum's dead. She drank too much booze. Where's dad? He's at home. He's drunk. I just put him to bed. And so that was our first encounter, our first salvation, a little girl called Belinda. That was when I knew that we were absolutely in the perfect will of God, that the first little soul that God brought to us was this child. We worked with Belinda for years. With her father, we worked. We got her in foster care, out of foster care. We worked with her for years and years. We loved her like she was our own. There were times we even thought of adopting her. We just loved her. We gave we, This church paid for her lunch every day of her school life and made sure she had lunch. Because she said to us, what are you doing here? We said, oh, we're, we're starting a church. Oh, is there food at that church? I said, well, there will be tomorrow if you come here. Do you know what she did? She came to church and she didn't have anything to give in the offering. She realized, after all, we did offerings. So she stole a chicken from the next door neighbor's house and brought a live chicken to church and sat on the front row, proud as punch, that she would brought an offering to the Lord. And then she realized that she couldn't put a chicken in the offering bucket. So she said to the lady sitting next to her, will you buy my chicken for 10 bucks so I can put an offering in? And the lady bought the chicken for $10 without realising it was stolen. And then when she realised it was a stolen chicken, she had to repent. It was just the funniest thing, funniest thing ever. We loved her so much. Every, every week she would come to church with a different dog because she loved dogs and she couldn't have a dog of her own because of her home situation. And we go, Belinda, whose dog is that? Oh, it's just these people down the street. They go out all day. They don't even know he's missing. I just jump the fence and I take him for the day and I put him back at the end of the day because I just want a dog. I remember when we bought this land and she came over and she just laid out on the grass. <laughs> I remember that day she was laying on the grass and I went out there and I said, what are you doing, Belinda? And she said, well, this is my land. I've never owned anything in my life and now I do. 
because I've always wanted land where I could have horses and you got horses here. Can I come down and ride the horses and just be here because it's the only place I feel happy when I'm on this land. I feel like I belong somewhere. And so we looked after her for years and then one day she went missing and we couldn't find her and no one knew where she was. And we, we, we headed up a police search to search for her uh, we, we, we joined forces with the welfare to try and flush her out wherever she was and they stopped paying her welfare checks and so she was flushed out. They found her in Queensland. She'd been abducted by a pedophile. When they found her, she was battered and bruised all over her body and she was about eight months pregnant. We got her, we brought her back. We, we got her into a home. We, we were with her while she... Um, while she continued the birth of that baby, the welfare told us as soon as this baby's born, we have to take this baby away. You're going to have to prepare her for this. And I sat with Belinda while she gave birth to that baby. And she, I sat with her while they ripped it out of her arms and took that baby away. And I held her in my arms and I told her, Belinda, God's going to work this out for good. You watch it. He'll work it out for good. Belinda was able to contact that child and the foster mother and stayed in relationship with that little girl. That little girl now, Natalie, is 16. We're still in contact with her. She's the most beautiful little girl you've ever seen. <clears throat> and now Belinda has three other children and she's been married for 11 years. And I haven't seen her for a while or heard from her for a while. And so God... The day we're celebrating this on Friday night, I get a message from Belinda on Friday morning. Hi, Pastor Julie, been thinking about you. It's all spelt wrong. Been talking with my girls about God. They now read the Bible and go to scripture. We live now in a little town called Nundal. One day we're gonna come down to visit the church. I'm still married to Craig, been married 11 years now. Lots of ups and downs. He's a truck driver, but we're doing well. I miss you guys. Hope to see you guys real soon. And this is the land that Belinda, they're her girls, and this is the land that Belinda now lives on. And she has horses. And God gave it to her. Oh, this is hard, I tell you. You know, in that prophecy, um, Steve Penny said, you know, you, your descendants, your sons and daughters will get, go out over the wall. And there have been people in this church that have gone out over the wall, and I want to celebrate that today, uh, what they're doing and who they are today. Katie Haldan was one of those. This is Katie. <clears throat> Beautiful daughter of mine. She was 14 years old when her mother came to me and said, will you do something with my daughter? I said, why? What is going on? I'm expecting her to tell me that she's on drugs or she's trying to kill herself. Or She said, no, I've got this problem with my daughter. She won't date men. Uh, she wants to stay a virgin until she gets married, and she prays all day. Can you fix her? Oh, I said, please give it to me. And so uh, from 14 years of old uh, age, I mentored Katie as, as a daughter in the Lord, raised her up. She became an incredible preacher. She led our youth group. She pioneered our church with us. She came with us when we pioneered the church. She led our youth group for seven years. Powerful, mighty leader, raised a great youth group. She was an incredible woman. 
One day her mum came to me and she said to me, when Katie was born, she was a premature baby. And because she was premier, I didn't have any breast milk. But the lady in the bed next to me offered to feed, breastfeed my baby until my milk came down. She said to me, Julie, I want to thank you because you breastfed my baby until my milk came down. And I love who she is today because of you. I mean, and this is, this is just God. So today, Katie is now uh, a master's in theology. She's a C3 Bible lecture, uh, college lecturer. And she's the founder of Trash Your Bible, which, by the way, was a saying that Pastor Phil used to always say, come on, trash your Bible, highlight it, you know, live in it, trash your Bible. And so she's created this incredible Bible uh, study called Trash Your Bible, which is going out all over the world. She preaches in huge conferences, and she is an incredible woman of God to this day. I'm really proud of Katie. So that's, that's, our, that's our fruit, amen? That's our fruit. Luke and Candace Boyd, they were saved in our church. Um, they, were about, they were about 16. Um, you know, Luke came first. He came, Luke came to a, a meeting, a, a revival meeting. He didn't know what was happening to him. He began to shake and he began to speak in a language he never spoke in before and he began... He began to feel the presence of God on him and he couldn't stand up and he didn't know what was happening to him. And so the, the other, the, some of the other youth came to us and said, Pastor Phil, can you come and explain to Luke what's happening to him? He thinks he has to go to hospital. <laughs> and so Pastor Phil led him to the Lord and he gave his heart to the Lord, beautiful man of God. And then he went and witnessed to his girlfriend at school and she got saved and they came to church and they were part of our youth group, they were part of our church for 22 years. They, they led kids' church, they led youth, they led young adults, they were part of our preaching team. We raised them up as sons and daughters and now they're on the ministry team at a Thrive Church at Bado Bay, preaching and, and bringing the word of the Lord. And um, I believe Candace has just started a whole uh, ministry for people with um, children with uh, autism. And um, incredible couple, really proud of those guys as well. Um, this, one, this one was an amazing one. I was, I was at a conference a couple of years ago and there was a lunch break and this man came up to me, he had tears in his eyes and he said, I don't know how to ever thank you. And I went, I'm looking at his face and I, I know your face, you know? And he goes, yeah, I'm Andy, don't you remember me? You know, I'm Toby. And, and, um, and Kelly's dad. And I'm going, oh, far out. Yeah, I remember you. You came to our church in 1996. And I remember God really, really touching you. And this guy came from a really destructive background and honestly was delivered and saved and healed in our church miraculously. And I didn't, they left and I didn't know what happened to him after a couple of years. And so he says, guess what? He said, I'm a pastor of Blackheath Baptist Church. I've been working in the streets of Sydney with the homeless and with youth for years, and now I'm a pastor of Blackheath Baptist Church. And I tell the story of you, you and Pastor Phil and your church, and the encounter I had with God everywhere I go. And so I looked up Blackheath Baptist Church, and this is the, the, the profile that they've got on, on Andy Collins. He's now married to a beautiful woman. They have four kids. 
and he says, prior to full-time ministry, Andy had a very diverse work history. And, and, it, and I'll just go down here. He says here, um, soon after becoming a Christian in 1996, Andy started to sense God's call on his life to full-time ministry and found, and found himself led to serving first amongst street youth in Sydney and then serving as a pastor at Newtown Mission from 2003 to 2015, having been personally and powerfully delivered from a destructive lifestyle, I can truly testify to how amazing a church community can be existing to make a difference in the world, turning darkness to light in countless ways. Having also been involved in healing ministries for many years, it's just an incredible privilege to be entrusted by God with such gifts and responsibilities. There's nothing more satisfying to me than helping people reach their true potential in Christ and seeing that overflow from our church community into our homes then into the local community, families, workplaces, schools, to the ends of the earth. Andy Collins. And I just found that last night. And I shared with you last week Peter and Lee Taberna. I'll just say this little story quickly again. Peter and Lee were, were drug addicts, very heavy drug addicts. One day they were going to score drugs. They ran out of petrol down the road from our place. Peter knew my sister. She said, I know there's a pastor that lives in this street. I'm going to knock on the door of the pastor's house because she'll give me $10 for petrol. She knocked on my door, said, can I have $10 for petrol? I said, I'll give you $10 for petrol if you tell me what happened to your eye because she had a massive black eye. She said, my husband did it. And I said, where's your husband? He's down the street in the car with the kids. Go get him. I said to Phil, go get him. Phil, go get him. He went down the street. You come with me. Bring the kids. And so he came thinking he was going to get $10 for petrol and came into our house. So began four or five hours of salvation, massive deliverance, healing, they were set free, completely delivered, completely set free. And they were in our church after that for a few years. And then they bought a tent. They sold some stuff from their business and bought a tent and had been traveling around Australia preaching the gospel ever since. They now have um, Hope International Ministries and they minister all over Australia. And they're really breaking right now into remote Communities. That's Lee right there. At one of the last things I've done. This is the last couple of weeks. And what's where's the one with Lee, with Peter? There's Peter there. That is that couple, and they tell the story of us and this church, and how it affected their life, how they experienced God, and it changed them forever. And they've been preaching the gospel now for 28 years. It's amazing, isn't it? Michelle Love. Michelle and Joel came into our church quite broken. They were in relationship. We ended up marrying them. We ended up ministering to them and, and really, really uh, saved their relationship and saved their marriage, actually. It was the most beautiful thing for me to marry them. I love marrying people. I cry at every wedding. But this girl had an incredible gift of singing. She had this worship thing on her. 
And when she sang, it was almost like things shook, you know what I mean? She was just so powerful. So we trained her up in the worship team here, and I knew it was a prophetic calling, and I trained her in the prophetic ministry. She's just completed a one-year course with me online in prophetic training and ministry. And they're now in a church up in Queensland where she's the main worship leader in the church, a really cutting-edge church. Daniel Hagen, I don't know if you know him, but they're going into Europe. They're going into everywhere. She's just about, she had a vision the other day of going into Europe. She moves powerfully in the prophetic, and she still calls me every once every two weeks and still calls me mum. Like, it's just, I just love this stuff. Luke and Tash Eagle were in our church for a number of years. They were great young adults leaders. They were incredible with young adults. They, they, they had such a calling on their lives, such a beautiful couple. They were so faithful and so good to us, great sons and daughters, just beautiful people. He, he did a lot of our media for us before you, Nate, and uh, they were an incredible couple, and they were called by God to go and um, start a church, and there are campus pastors at Generosity Church in Wagga Wagga beautiful ministry in Wagga Wagga, which is where my mob comes from. It's almost like they just went back to my roots and they're ministering to my people and my family. So that's amazing. Give the Lord a hand. Jamie and Garth Ball, some of you saw us praying for them the other night. They were in our church for many, many years. Garth was saved in this church when he was 16 years of age. And straight away, the call of God was evident on his life. It wasn't long before he was in Bible college. He is an incredible teacher of the Word of God. It wasn't long being in Bible college, after being in Bible college, that they realized that he had something on his life and he became one of the main lecturers of Bible college and also wrote courses for Bible college and also then became uh, in charge of online Bible college for the whole uh, global for C3, global C3. Uh, Jamie, and he would preach in our church and just an amazing young man. Jamie was one of our profound worship leaders in our church, a preacher, just a great woman of God. I mean, you know, our kids, you look at them, you just go, man, they were just, as Phil said, we put them on the altar and God raised them up. Do you know what I mean? Like not one of our kids, they've walked through everything and they've got incredible character and incredible women of God. They've married incredible men. And we just so, we've got incredible grandchildren. I mean, God is just so faithful. Um, I went to Garth one day, you know, this is the kind of servant-hearted guy he is. I said to Garth one day, have you ever, we didn't have a drummer at the time. I said, have you ever thought about playing drums, Garth? And he went, actually, I think I could do that. And he told his mum, and his mum bought him a whole drum kit. Not only did he learn to play drums really fast, he became a prolific drummer and he actually became a drum teacher. That's the kind of guy he is when he puts his mind to it. Quite amazing. When Jamie was three years old, this is a picture of her when she was three. There she is. She came up to me. She's a little stubborn little thing, real stubborn. Anyone have a strong-willed child in their family? There she is, right there, right there, right there. She's the kind of kid you would say, don't touch that, and she'd go, ugh. 
And he'd say, I'm going to smack you if you touch that. And she'd go, uh-uh. <laughs> then I'd smack her and she'd go, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. And so that's Jamie. And so I knew God was going to use that stubbornness for something anyway one day. And one day she walked out. She'd been in her bedroom praying. And she constantly saw angels and demons. And she just had this spiritual realm experience from when she was tiny. She walked out one day and she looked at me and she said, one day I'm going to Africa and you can't stop me. Like that. She was that age. That little thing there. You can't stop me. And I went, yeah, well, I will. And you watch me stop you because you never go in Africa. No way. Anyway, so while Garth's down at, while Garth's down at college at Africa, he made friends with Pat Ancliffe, who was, you know, head of Bible college down there. And, of course, Pat was oversight for the whole of um, Africa for C3 Global. And, of course, he asked Garth to go to Africa with him. And, of course, Garth fell in love with Africa. And, of course, Jamie fell in love with Garth. And uh, I did everything I could to keep them apart. And we all did, didn't we, Julie? Um, nah, you're not, you know, you're not, nah. It's not happening. I remember the day that um, he first took her to Africa. And... Um, she sent me a picture laying in the red dirt with little kids crawling all over and she said, Mum, I'm home, get used to it. And uh, it was a hard one. That was a hard one. They came, I said, they came back and they said, God's called us to plant a church in Africa. And I said, did you have the God said? And they went, no, not really. We just thought, it's, you know, some people said it's a good idea. Well, said, unless you get the God said, we're not, we're not sending you. And uh, so they went over to Africa again did another visit, and then they both sent a message. We just got the God said. So I went upstairs, and I laid on my bed, and I cried to God. I said, God, you've asked so much of us. Really, do you, you're going to take my daughter as well? Like, do I have to? We're such a close-knit family. We have family meals together every week. My, my daughters are best friends. Like, we're just close-knit. I said, we've given you everything. Are you going to take my daughter as well? And he said, Julie, didn't I say to you that this ministry would go out to the nations? And I said, yes, Lord, you said that. And he said, and it will go out to the nations through your seed. Unless a, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. Let go of your seed and watch what I do with it. And I cried my eyes out. Like every mother in the room would know what that feels like to send their daughter to a land that is so dangerous. They got their wedding rings tattooed on their fingers so that they wouldn't have their fingers cut off if someone tried to steal their rings. I mean, that's the kind of place they were going into. God was so, so, so faithful. Off they went to Africa to plant a church in Nairobi. They, built, they planted a very successful church we supported it as a church financially for five years. Five years that church was there because of your finances. And now that's a thriving, thriving church. They, they raised up pastors, indigenous pastors in that church. They're very apostolic thinking. And they came back to have Elsie back to Australia, their first child, to give birth and COVID hit. And they only just got back to Australia when COVID hit and they would have been stuck in Africa all the way through COVID. So I just, God is gracious. He's so gracious. 
And they came back to Australia. They'd been gone six years. Six years, we'd see them twice a year. Once a year, Phil and I would go over. Once a year, they'd come home. We'd, we, we would talk online. You know, the sisters would talk online. It was tough going for all of us. Six years. And they came home to have the baby. COVID hit. They got stuck here. And I got to see my granddaughter grow up to be two years old. I, could, I was there at her birth. You know, they're all the things that were important to me. You know, that, that, that was so important to me. And God knew that. He was so faithful. And, um, yeah, and so they've been here two years. And in that two years, there's a church in Newcastle that was struggling. They asked Jamie and Garth to take that church over. So now they've got a church in Nairobi and they've got a church in Newcastle. And they came to us recently and said, we're flying out to Dubai, which is this Saturday. They're flying out to Dubai. We, we want to plant another church in Dubai. And we want to reach the Muslim people. We've got a heart for the Arab nations. You heard in that prophecy that Phil said, you know, I, I see, you know, Arab nations being saved. And so they fly out on Saturday. And again, we're going to have to say goodbye eventually. And, you know, God is so gracious and he's so faithful. But this is what God does with what we give him. Um, did we see the photo of no? Oh, this is us saying goodbye to Jamie. This is us saying goodbye to Jamie at the airport just before they left the first time to go away for six years. That's little Paris in her arms saying goodbye. Did you see the photo of Nairobi Church? Did we put that up? Yeah, look at that. Look at that. That's your fruit. And it's like it's still there. It's still thriving. It's still amazing. And... Uh, They'll be able to meet up with the new pastors. They've got seven people going from Nairobi and they've got seven people going from Newcastle and they're all going to meet in Dubai and pray over the new church plant that will become part of Rhythm City, which is three churches, three nations. That's all part of our fruit. It's, it's just amazing. You know, I know there's a lot of you in this house that we could talk about and say, yeah, the fruit. I mean, you know, Rachel, for a start, you know, such a daughter, sat next to her last night, just wanted to hug her all night and just, you know, just being faithfully by my side. How many years, Rach? Eleven years. Eleven years. I remember the first time Rachie walked in the back door and she was 16. She was 16 and I was preaching and she walked in the back door and I said, that girl there, come down here. I said, I don't know who you are or where you've come from, but the anointing that's on my life, I put on you. And you're going to be who I am one day. And I, I, I released my mantle upon her at 16 years of age. I don't know if you realise today, Rachel, while you were worship leading, <laughs> it's so funny. Like I, I was going, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, like this down the front, and I'd open my eyes and you were going... And then at one stage I was going, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I wrote my eyes and you were going, yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, she's even moves like me. Like, she's, it was so funny. I was like, and he's going, there's a daughter. Look at that. You know, it's not a clone, but it carries the DNA and the seed, you know. It's so beautiful. And, and I could say that about so many of you. But I just want to give a big shout out to Julian Andrew Flaxman, who... I mean, for goodness sakes. For goodness sakes. Julie Flaxman, I just, I'm, I, I'm blown away 
I knew she was creative, I knew she was amazing, I knew she was powerful, I knew she was a great preacher, I knew she was prophetic, I knew she was a great worship leader. I didn't know she could do media, I didn't know she could do marketing, I didn't know she could do organise our whole office and all our staff, I didn't know she could actually be like a management, a manager of all the workings of the church. I didn't know this was in this, this beautiful, you know, gentle girl. But my God, you've blown us away, Julie Flaxman, and greatly, you greatly honoured us. Um, over this weekend, we are really moved, darling. You've done, you've done your mum and dad real proud and, uh, and honoured us so beautifully. She made the videos. She did all the artwork around. Go and have a look at the artwork. It's, it's quite amazing. But I remember when Julie was about, I think she was 18, the Lord said to her, Julie, I want you to give me a year of Esther a year where you just dedicate yourself completely to me and watch what I will do. And I remember she had a piano up in her bedroom. She had a bedroom upstairs in our house. And she, got, she wrote the most incredible songs. But she wrote this song at that time called My Beautiful Obsession. And it was all about Jesus, how he was her beautiful obsession. That's all she wanted to live for was for him. And she'd be up in her room playing those songs and crying out to the Lord at that time, she, she enrolled in Bible college. Many of you wouldn't know, she's probably the most highest qualified uh, person in this room as far as Bible college. She's, she has a Bachelor of Theology. She did five years at Bible college, five years Bachelor of Theology, and she made it in, majored in songwriting. Andrew was at Bible college as well. They didn't meet at Bible college, but uh, Andrew came to me one day and he said, I'm ready to get married. I have a list. And I want you to pray over this list with me. And I said, okay. And uh, at that time, they were in the youth group together, but they never looked at each other. And, and Andrew, here's the list. The top of the list must be a pastor's daughter. Uh, she's got to be good looking. Has to be a good cook. It's just like, this was the list, you know. It's like, she's got to be beautiful, but not know it. And... Do you remember that list, Andrew? Has to be a good cook. And, uh, you know, all this stuff on this list. So I said, okay, because Andrew was the son of the house. Andrew came to our church when he was 16. It's funny how they're all 16. And his parents were at a different church. He came to our youth group and he went back to his parents and said, Mum and Dad, God's called me to commit myself to this church. And he's been with us since he was 16 years of age. So he wrote this list and he came to me and he said, will you pray over this list with me? Because I've never even kissed a girl and I just, I just want, I want it to be the one. And so we prayed over this list together and he was at Bible college and he, and he came back to me a couple of weeks later. He said, oh, there's this girl at Bible college. She's a pastor's daughter. She may be the one. Okay, well, well let's pray about it, Andrew. He came back the next week and said, nah. She's not the one. She didn't meet everything on the list, apparently. So one day, Andrew is sitting in church. He were in the tent over there. And, um, and uh, I've gone a little bit long today, but these are great stories, aren't they? Um, we're in the tent over there, and Andrew was sitting in church, and God said to him, today I'm going to show you your wife. 
And he's going, wow, he's waiting for some woman to walk in the door. He's looking around, where's she going to come from? And, and Julie was on the keyboards with her head down, worshipping God. And the Lord said to Andrew, open your eyes, she's right in front of you. And he opened his eyes and it was like, bang, the lights went on, that's your wife. And um, about a week later, he hadn't said anything to Julie, he comes up to us, we were at a baby dedication, and he goes, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do it. I said, what did you mean to do? I fell in love with your daughter, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Can I please ask her out? He's like, of course you can. I don't know if Julie was real sure at first, but he won her over, and uh, and here they are today. They're, they've led. They're, look, they've done every ministry. I mean, Julie took up the offering when she was ten years old, and and um, you know she she's been leading worship. She's been leading this. She's been on the worship team since she was twelve. Uh, Is that right? Twelve. Twelve years old. She she took over from the keyboard player. And she's been on the worship team since she was 12. She's been leading the worship team since, how old were you? Hey? 15 years. Been leading the worship team for 15 years, faithfully leading the worship team. Incredible. Um, We had the honour recently. They both led the youth group incredibly. They've preached in our church. They've done all this great stuff. But we had the pleasure recently last year of ordaining them. And now they are certified, ordained pastors. And they have just released their book that they've written called Faith, Hope, Love, Community, which is an incredible book that really brings the gospel in a beautiful way to people that don't understand it. And we're so proud of them. Let's give them a hand today. You know, they're just a few of the stories. There are a few of the stories. And what we've got to remember is that church is about people. And, it's, and this church is about looking at people and saying, how can we get you so free, get you so healed, get you so on your feet that we can propel you into the destiny that God has for your life? How can we do that? This is not a church where you'll just sit and just come to church every week. When you come to this church, there's an uncovering of destiny. There's an uncovering of the story that's been written about your life. There's an uncovering of the calling of God. There's an uncovering of the child of God. There's an uncovering of identity within you. There's a restoration of families, a restoration of your past. There's a healing of marriages. There's promises fulfilled, like Phil said. People having babies that couldn't. People getting married that weren't married. God has everything in hand as you give yourself to him and his church, our Father, is in control. You know, one day we're going to all stand before him. One day we're all going to stand before him. And those of us that are Christians, you know, we will not be judged according to the world and the way the world will be judged. It won't be like, were you good, were you bad? You know, how many ticks can I give you? Because by the blood of Jesus, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We have eternal life. It's a free gift. But when we stand before Jesus, he's going to ask us one question, and one question only. 
What did you do with that which I gave you? What did you do with that which I gave you? How many people did you affect? How many lives were changed because of you? And I believe God is taking us into a place and into a space where he's going to reveal to you the fruit of your lives and the fruit that's to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for all of these lives that have been transformed and changed, God. We thank you, Father, for even ones in this church, like Meredith Wiggs, that running our kids' church all those years, and Tim and Louise, 25 years with us, 18 years of running kids' ministries and outreach ministries. God, you are so faithful. You are so faithful. And so in this room right now, there are people, God, that their destinies are unfolding. Maybe there are ones that are still healing. Maybe there are ones, Father, that that you are about to do miracles for in their health, in their finances, in their businesses. God, we present ourselves to you this morning as your disciples, Jesus. Because you're the one who changes us. You're the one who transforms us. It's all about you, Jesus. And we give you all glory for your faithfulness over all these 25 years and for all the years to come. Lord, we just thank you for our children and our children's children and every life that we will affect through our lives as we lift up our hands today in surrender to you and say, here I am, God, use me. Here I am, God, use me. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And just while every eye is closed in this place, I thank you, Lord Jesus, right now that your grace is here to save. Every one of us in this room, at some stage, had a starting point where God met with us. Every one of us in this room has had a space where we've experienced God, whether it was as children or growing up, God has been revealing himself to all of us. And this morning, there are people in this room where God has been revealing himself to you and he's been saying, I'm the answer to your problems. I am the one who will give you your destiny. I am the one who is with you. I am the one who can change your life. Many of us here can testify that as soon as we said yes to Jesus, our lives turned around. Light came into those dark places. Answers came to those problems. Because Jesus is the answer to everything. We are children of God being called home so that our Father can look after us. And you know, all it takes is one simple prayer of saying, yes, Jesus, I want you in my world. Come and change my life. I give you my heart. 
right across this room while every Christian is praying. If that's God stirring your heart right now, if you're feeling like your heart is beating a little bit faster, if you're feeling warm inside, if you feel like crying, if you feel like God is really touching you right now, with every eye closed right across this room, just lift up your hand like that and put it back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. We're just going to pray a prayer all together. Thank you for that hand. I see that hand. Is there any more? Is there any? There's another one. Thank you for that hand. Is there any more? There's another one. Thank you, Lord. Is there any more? Today, you're saying, I want you, Jesus. There's another one. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for every hand. Is there any more? Today, you're saying, I want what Jesus has to offer. There's another one. Thank you for that. Thank you for those hands. No, there are people that have been in the church for ages, but today they're making a commitment to say, I'm going full on for you, Jesus. I want it all. I thank you, Jesus. And I see that in you, in you, Chloe, Harvey. I see that in you. I see today there's going to come a transformation in your life. Today, as you say, I'm in boots and all, Jesus. I know God is going to transform you, Chloe into the woman of God that he's called you to be. And he's going to propel you into your destiny in Jesus' name. So let's just close our eyes and all the people that put their hands up, would you mind praying this prayer from your heart? Just imagine Jesus standing in front of you right now, the lover of your soul. And he's just calling you into relationship. He's calling you home right now across this room. And just say this prayer after me from your heart. Say, Jesus, everyone together, and everyone that put their hands up, say it, everyone together, all the congregation. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sin. That you rose again on the third day. And that you are seated next to my Father. In heaven, praying for me right now. Jesus, I give you my heart. I don't want to walk the way I've walked before. I need help. I need a father. I give you the rest of my life. I will follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, girls. Let's just, let's just sing one song.